we're here to talk about you and your work and um you know kind of um what you're up to and why are you in chicago <laughs> and things like that so uh yeah michael if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what you've been up to um well where would you like me to start who are you <laughs> Well, I'm a, I'm a designer. I've been a practicing designer for a little over 20 years, 21 years, something like that. Um, and I worked at a whole bunch of different companies, uh, including Nike, where I worked on the Nike brand, brand Jordan, as well as Converse, uh, before becoming creative director at Frog Designs, San Francisco studio for a few years. Um, and then after Frog, I worked as chief design officer for a company that I helped name called Sound United, uh, which owns a lot of audio brands. They own uh, Denon, Marantz, Polk Audio, Definitive Technology. Uh, and there I oversaw um, a team of industrial designers as well as a uh, marketing creative team. where We did everything from innovation pipeline management, product line management, all the way through to launch videos, print ads, and what the little tag said at Best Buy. Uh, which is an amazing an amazing opportunity. I built that team from one person up to mm -hmm. about 25 uh, before starting my own studio two years ago. And we have been consulting for a really wide range of clients, um, including uh, Hasbro, SAIC, which is a Chinese car company, um, Cole Han, um, really just a, a pretty wow. wide a range of clients. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Hasbro, that's pretty awesome. We'll have to talk about more about about how you got this, but let's look at your career. It's you've kind of been all over the map as far as who you worked for and where you lived. Um, that must be like that's like a a, a nice, rich, diverse background of experiences. Uh, you did footwear. You did um, like housewares you did product design like like consumer electronics mm -hmm. um at frog did you do am i missing something uh, did you do like some type of ui ux um i did some what we call kind of convergent projects where there's hardware and software mm -hmm. um, but i try to stay pretty predominantly on the hardware side it's just kind of where my heart is sure. i think um i've always been someone that just loves physical artifacts like mm -hmm. i love going to the met in new york and you walk around like the Asian art floor or the Egyptian art area. And it's, it's a lot of product design, right? Mm -hmm. These are like the artifacts of, of everyday life. And so, you know, for me, I don't want my, I don't want my work to go away when you, when you turn the screen off. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, that's fair. And, and so and I, I love working on convergent projects that have a digital component because then I think there's an even bigger challenge for the industrial mm -hmm. design. And, and I think that that is, um, the industrial design has to act as a talisman, right? Like think of like a, a medallion or a crucifix or whatever, whatever your, you know, religion of choices. And, and that symbolizes this, you know, this ecosystem of sure. thought and concepts. And yep. so I think when you're working on digital hardware, really the, if the hardware is doing its job, if it's working hard, yep. it is, it's telling that story. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I like working in digital hardware, because honestly, there's not a lot of that mm -hmm. right now. There's a lot of really just blank minimalist slates that tell you nothing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was interesting. I was reading this. Um, there's this uh, science fiction book that came out last year called The Power. 
Um, mm. And it's, it takes place in the year, you know, it, t- today or maybe a year or two from now, but it's told through the lens of an archaeologist that's like, you know, 500, 600 years in the future. Mm. And they find all these, uh, all these products, these, these, these uh, mm-hmm. plates that they call them <laughs> that have the fruit, that they're fruit trays. Yeah. Because they have no idea what these they don't are. know what they are. They have no clue. No so context. There's no context, and and the object doesn't give you any clues, mm. right, as to what it does. So, um, anyway, I think I like to work across categories. Yeah. I think I think working across categories. I think the work informs mm-hmm. each other, right? Like we did a line of motorcycle helmets yeah. last year, and I learned just a ton about optics and motorcycle helmets and i'm sure like that knowledge will benefit me mm-hmm. on some other project i'm not sure what it will be but i think w- working across categories gives me that flexibility uh, and cross-pollination and um, also i just really love what we do and i want to I, I want to do as much of it as i can you know i want to bring i want to bring things to life for people yeah. um, and so for me that means working across a lot of different areas though it's, it's not it's not typical right and i think like it's a validation of of like i don't know if you knew this but maybe 20 years ago when you went into the design industry did you know that one that you were going to be in you were going to have your own studio because that's almost like if i tell your story to someone it almost feels like it's building up to that that's right um yes okay (laughs) Uh, and so I, i think i've told this story before but uh so I met my wife when I was 19. We were in undergrad together at RISD, and I think we were on like our third or fourth date. And she was like, "Hey, what do you want? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up?" Uh, like a date <laughs> question. And I was like, "Hey, you know that guy Raymond Lowy we learned about in art, art history? I want to be like be that guy." No. And she laughed. She like laughed in my face. I was like, "No, I'm I'm serious." And so like, if you can't get behind that, then. No. This probably be our last date. She was like, oh, okay, that's cool. No, she was like, I can get behind that. And yeah. uh, to me, that was, you know, I, I was really, um, you know, pre-Google times in the, in the 90s, like just a nerd and learning, reading all about design and different designers. And I looked at the work of Ray Maloey, someone that was working across branding, product design, architecture. Yeah. And I was like, well, that, I mean, if he was doing that in the 40s and 50s, yeah. why can't we be doing that today? Exactly. Um, and certainly, you know, you learn about like Hartmut Esslinger, uh, who's, who founded Prague in, I think, 1969. And, you know, they're working on hardware for, you know, digital hardware. They're working on um, uh, luggage for Louis Vuitton. They did the original Logitech branding. So, you know, really, you had Raymond Lowy in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and then, you know, Hartmut uh, in the mm-hmm. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, and so, you know, somebody's got to carry that torch now. Yeah, just sure. work across all these different things. Now you have Dutulo and Associates. Yeah, we'll get there. You know, <laughs> but I definitely think, and, and everybody's a little different. You know, Raymond Lowy uh, started his consulting mm-hmm. pretty much right away. He, he was a, a catalog illustrator because there really wasn't industrial design then. Uh, Hartmut, um, he, I think he said, I think he told me he had one interview and it was with Dieter Rams, and Dieter Rams said that he was unemployable. And then he said the ultimate insult to a to a German was, ah, maybe you could get a job at Phillips. Oh. <laughs> and so he said, well, since I was unemployable, I just started my own firm. And so, you know, they did it that way. Um, I think for me, uh, maybe this just speaks to my own confidence level, but I really wanted to 
work in a bunch of different industries. I wanted to learn about them. You know, I wanted to understand, mm-hmm. um, you know, working at Nike, you know, I'd go to China four or five times every year for seven years, right? So learning about that process, learning about uh, working at Sound United, which was a private equity owned company and reporting directly to the board, learning about Feels how, nice. money, how money yeah. influences business. Yeah. And I think it makes me a better consultant because um, I can empathize with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, like we're always taught to empathize with the end user, which we certainly should. Um, but I see a lot of design consultants get frustrated with their clients. And in the end, the client has parameters too, right? Like they have to get it through their boss or their board or pitch it to retailers. So, you know, I really try to get in and understand what those parameters are mm-hmm. so that I can understand um, what the end goal is. Right. Um, I give you an example. Last year, we were doing a design language system for uh, a large global brand, and uh, they had just been purchased by a new PE firm. I had worked with the CEO previously at another company, um, and he brought us in to do a design language system across the product portfolio, and they had like 400 products in their portfolio. Right. And this included brand positioning, um, marketing kind of direction, uh, as well as as product design language. Mm-hmm. And so on the surface, you know, that's it's for the design team. And I worked really closely with this in-house team to build that language. We did a bunch of workshops. But digging down a level deeper, you know, they had just been purchased by private equity. He was brought in as a new CEO and he wanted a really nice document that he could show the board that he was making immediate impact. And so once they understood that other parameter, we could design the deliverable mm-hmm. so that he could do that. And and the, the more he could get more confidence and buy-in from the board, the faster that design language could move to production. Jeez, that's amazing. Now, like you started your company two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like right off the bat, it's it just didn't feel like you went independent. It just, personally, I just saw immediate growth. And I think that this has all everything to do with you planting seeds yeah. and preparing for this jump right Right. and you know keeping those relationships with people and Mm -hmm. knowing people that's what our industry is about it's about who you know networking and things like that that has allowed you to become pretty successful um for your last for the two years of Mm -hmm. of you know your amazing you know um introduction into independent kind of realm right um i think that's amazing and not only that you've you've (laughs) You have donated, you've been a financial sponsor of Advanced Design. And that, that to me, that's that's means a lot. First of all, thank you so much. Yeah, um, but, you know, that just tells me like, man, Michael is making moves. <laughs> well, you know, and you're, yeah. you're pretty, also, you're pretty honest on Instagram. You, you talk about it. You talk about what you do. You're not, you know, hiding like, oh, you, you're, you just talk about your journey. And I love that. Thank you. I, I really like uh, thanks. And I think that uh, it's important to me. I, I think so I came up in the 90s. I graduated design school in 1998. Um, and Core 77, shout out Core77.com, uh, went live. And it's just about yeah. 95, 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys put that up and it was like a one, it was one page. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, this is the freaking future, right? It's not going to be about books and ID magazine anymore mm-hmm. uh, which you know is now defunct it's going to be about blogs and 
direct communication and two-way communication and constant communication. You know, by the time you'd see something in ID Magazine 30 days later, you'd be like, I saw a bajillion things on a block. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so uh, for me, that was really exciting, right? Like, again, coming up in the, in the 90s, it wasn't really possible to have a conversation with Philippe Stark or mm -hmm. Kareem Rashid. Um, but I saw kind of social media as a way to connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, and to give back, you know, in a very simple way. And I think that that's part of my brand and my firm's brand. And, and I know a few of our clients have picked us because they've gone on my YouTube channel or my Instagram and they're like, mm -hmm. wow, you explain things. And we feel like we're going to learn mm -hmm. um, and you're not going to talk down to us. You're going to explain things simply. And that's my goal. My goal is to get them to make things, mm -hmm. not to be like, look how hot my sketch is or how big the words I can use in the thesaurus are and I use a bunch of design speak. <laughs> mm -hmm. my, my goal is to get them to understand why what I'm helping them bring to the table is valuable and is going to help them. And so I try to speak plainly and I try to speak honestly. Um, one thing I've been really kind of curious about or, or interested in is explaining my personal failures more because I think as designers, we get like, super psyched to t put together these amazing case studies of like, look at this product and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Look how many design awards it won. But did people use it? Right. Did people enjoy it? Did it sell? Did it bomb? Because I've, I've been, I've, I mean, I've had that happen where, you know, my CEO has taken me out to a warehouse and said, see all this stuff? That's the thing that you designed that nobody's buying and now no one gets a bonus. Oh, so, man. And, yeah. and you're like, and, and that's on that's, us. That's real. You know, and if you're yeah. trying to, you, you, you're trying to push your boundaries, that's going to happen. I mean, think about like in baseball, right? Like the best hitters are hitting like 340 or whatever. They're 34%. So one, two thirds of the time they're getting, yeah. they're striking out. They're striking out. And so, you know, what's our hit ratio? Yeah. Let's be honest about that. Yeah. Um, and, and let's, uh, I think maybe that comes from working in-house for um, like 12 of my 21 years. It's like, you got to live and buy, die by those recommendations. You can't just like parachute in, you know, present this hot CAD model and say, good luck. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, if you're in-house, you're, you're going to suffer from, from that decision. And if you're a consultant, people aren't going to come back to you. So, you know, I, I, I'm really kind of focused on no, yeah. trying to learn from those failures for and, sure, and trying to get us as a community to talk a little bit more openly about them yeah. and not have it be like our great shame, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's pretty normal for us to talk about that. And if anything, it, it makes, it prepares the next generation of yeah. students to, you know, a real practical setting, like, okay, you know, this isn't going to be a walk in the park and, you know, it, this isn't all glamorous. Like it, like we make it to be, um, you know, whenever we introduce ourselves, you know, hey, I'm Hector and I've worked here, here and here, but I never talk about like, oh man, I can give you a list of clients that I've lost, right. you know, and those are, that, that, those things are real and that's what makes us human. And those are the learning experiences the the gut punches that we take from design you know you it's a creative industry we got to continuously prove to people why we have value and that's why they pay us right that's yeah. why that's why it's hard i always say like it's hard to break into industrial design but it's harder to stay in because yeah. you gotta 
continuously yeah. prove to people, right? And you got to adapt to trends and you got to adapt to the economy, right? Yeah. So um, I think that's another reason why, I mean, working across a lot of industries is really helpful because mm -hmm. it's uh, it does provide a little bit of stability in that mm -hmm. I'm not like anchored in one industry if that industry fluctuates or moves. Right. I'm not you're pretty kinda, flexible. I'm not stuck out there. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I think you're right. And, and I think, I mean, the way I work now is totally different than the way I was working 20 years ago out of school. And mm -hmm. the way we're going to be working 20 years from now, hopefully we're still working, <laughs> is going to be really different than how we're working now. Yeah. And um, yeah, you got to keep your, your finger on that pulse. And, and it's, you can't be scared of it. It's just part of the fun of it. Yeah. And, and I, I think. What's well, not it, fun if it's not scary? Yeah, a little scary. <laughs> but I think that's also why I try to um, invest in that a little bit and do mm -hmm. constant projects and extra work and write books because uh, and write articles uh, because it's just really investing in keeping myself fresh, uh, refining my thought process, refining my techniques so that when that new project comes, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're ready. You know what? I, I design educators need to do that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Because then what are you doing if you're not doing that? Yeah. You, you gotta, like you said, um, you're always evolving and you right. gotta, doesn't matter how old you get, you gotta be a part of that evolution. Yeah. Um, because design is not like a, it's a it evolves fast, you yeah. know, you have, we have to adapt. And as design educators, and I, I had said this earlier this week that social media, specifically Instagram, is becoming an educational tool right. and that's okay you know right. a lot of students go to it and they're being inspired they're being motivated there's internship opportunities mm -hmm. word of word of mouth things like that but educators need to now see that this is something that we need to then dive in and be like okay if this is an educational tool we have to evolve right. with what's happening and we have to contribute to the community we have to write articles about it we have to right. um yeah, I mean, books, you know, like I, I remember I had a friend who proposed, hey, let's, let's write a design sketching book. And I was like, that sounds cool, but there's a hundred of them. What if you write a book about what not to sketch? Ooh, <laughs> That'd cool. be really cool, right? Yeah, I, think yeah, I, cool. I think I just gave my golden ticket idea no, on Instagram. Cool. But it, yeah. it goes part with everyone wants to write something or everyone wants to publish something or design something and talk about all the success. But no one talks about hey, it, this was rocky, you know, this, yeah. I got beat for this, you know, like right. this, this was hard. Um, so the, 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 the message here is just, I'm always real with my students. Yeah. I don't beat around the bush. I don't sugarcoat stuff. I'm like, man, you can't be passive with this. Yeah. And I, I try to be the same way with clients um, and just be, be honest with when I am trying to influence them to take a risk, uh, mm -hmm. I'm being honest with them. I'm like, this is riskier, but also the upside of this concept is greater. So mm -hmm. yeah, we could do this safe concept and maybe maintain or go up 5% or we could work on this riskier concept and maybe sell it go up 15, 20%. Mm -hmm. And so I've also seen that happen where you're like, you know, something just catches fire in the marketplace yep. uh, and explodes. And like, you know, I mean, I, I think like, one of the shoes I worked on at Nike sold like 320,000 pairs Jeez. in a quarter in three months. And so, you know, when, when you get it right, it can be amazing. And, you know, for, for me, that's 
it's not about the, the sales figure. It's about people enjoying the product. I remember once I was on the BART train in San Francisco, I was going from, um, from downtown out to, to Berkeley for brunch. And my wife was like, what's wrong with you? You're being all weird all of a sudden. I'm like, there's four dudes on this train wearing shoes I designed. <laughs> and that is like, that's better than any design award. Yeah. That's better than a million likes on Instagram. It's like real people using the thing mm -hmm. that you design mm -hmm. um, for them. And, and that's just, I don't know. That's what I, I think that's what excites me. We're really lucky. We yeah. get to design stuff that yeah. people use. Like, I don't know. I think we sometimes take it for granted um, because we're just in it, right? We're in the moment. And sometimes it's good to step back and reflect a little bit. Like, I get to teach people this. Right. I go to work at a university that pay, pays me, you know, and and, and you get to yeah. work for yourself. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Um, but let's talk, let's dive in into your studio. Yeah, sure. Right. So right now you're like a one man show. Right now I've got um, two people and then uh, like I'm, we've been as big as seven contractors. Sure. Um, These are like independent contractors that come in and kind of support right. you when you're really right. busy. And, and then you have some interns. Yeah. Yeah. And so and part of the reason why I named the studio after myself um, and, and upon this studio is that I, I wanted clients to know that they're going to get my time. And I think you know, having kind of climbed the corporate ladder and having this big team, I felt like I just got a little bit far from the work. Mm -hmm. You talk about kind of like keeping it fresh, changing things. I feel like I'm always trying to do that, right? Like I started at a school at a small design consultancy called Evo, which was only five people at the time. Now it's much bigger now. Um, and then I went to a corporation where there was 700 designers mm -hmm. and then to a design uh, firm again at Prague and then back corporate. <laughs> and so to me, this starting my own studio is, is all about getting closer to the work again. Um, and basically I only take three projects at a time. So a client knows they're going to get at least a third of my time. Mm -hmm. um, and there's going to be other people that help me execute. Like I have uh, people that, that help me to, you know, that people that come in and build CAD models or mm -hmm. do all kinds of execution support or help me with ethnographic research. Um, but you know, the client is getting the benefit of my 20 years of experience Absolutely. and the work isn't just getting kind of like, yep. and the, the heavy thinking isn't getting handed off. Right. And that's the way I, I wanted it. It's just, you know, it's me running the studio. My wife is my business partner. So mm -hmm. she runs, you know, she project manages everything. She runs the financial side of the business, um, which is awesome because I'm terrible at that. <laughs> um, I'm good at the concepts of it. She's good at the execution of it. Right. So we're kind of working hand in hand and it's she she actually just left her she she had a, a full-time job as a therapist and she went down to part-time and then uh, as of a few months ago she quit that completely so to go full-time with you she's working she still works part-time oh, okay but, but yeah. uh um but yeah she's, that's awesome she's yeah. a salaried employee now sure yeah. <laughs> so i i think um you know i say she I always say she's the uh She's the Ray to my Charles. You know? <laughs> I was about to say that. I was like, Charles and Ray Yes, yeah. That's she, awesome. She reviews all the work before it goes out. She yeah. reviews the proposals. Um, yeah. So, and she's, you know. She's just as important as the things that you do. She's the, my biggest fan and my biggest critic. You know, she, she'll be <laughs> the first person to say, this could be better. Um, and, I, you know, 
I think we all need that in yeah. our lives. And so that's awesome. So it's really the, the, the two of us running it and then kind of a team of contractors mm-hmm. and we've had an intern here and there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and, uh, we're, we're moving the studio to Portland this year, which is really exciting. So we're currently like a block from the Pacific ocean in San Diego. And we just decided, you know, right now that the, the, the the business is very light. It's very portable. So mm-hmm. if we're going to move, um, we need to move now before no. we start getting some serious um, space right. and people. Uh, and so we're really excited to be a part of the creative culture there. Should move to Chicago. <laughs> I haven't been here a lot this year. <laughs> um, let's. Yeah, I mean, your you know your recent posts on Facebook about you're selling your pic- picturesque house. Yeah, I was like. I, I've seen your living room through Instagram right. and, and your studio because you Skyped in with, with me and some of my students and you have like a, a museum of your work in the background. I'm like, this is cool. But to see all of that, I'm like, Michael, man, you're, you're really good design taste. I hope that whoever buys that, you know, the you're able to get. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's gotta be for the right person yeah. and uh, That's pretty awesome. we have the right realtor. So yeah. it's, he, he's very, uh, and he's, it's been, it's, he sold us the house and then we totally remodeled it and he's a developer. So then he was actually, I think my, my very first client when I started the studio oh, all right. and we designed his headquarters, which ground is, is gonna oh, be breaking on that. That's uh, kind of cool. Yeah. It's like a super, um, streamlined, modern, mm-hmm. uh, two story kind of L shaped business, that building that's about also a block from the Pacific Ocean. Jeez. Um, so that was a uh, with with a ramen shop in the yeah. front, which is <laughs> nice. Okay, well, don't move to Chicago. You you can't beat the West Coast. Yeah, you should go to Portland. Um, I want to dive into talking about your interns. Sure. How does one work for you? <laughs> um, you know, what so are you looking for? That's a that is a good question. And what I'm looking for now is very different than what I was looking for when I was at Santa United and I had a big team. Sure. And um, I think, you know, what I look for, um, probably three things. Uh, one, like some really good core skills, right? It's like, um, I mean, I, my interns haven't done much like, kind of client ready work because it's just my, but they contribute. <laughs> so, so I think, have good core skills so that they can contribute um, and execute um, at, at the level I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I look for p- young people who are very open. Right? I want people who are going to be um, able to be molded and shaped um, and who are going to take input and be thoughtful about it. And then three, which is a little bit in direct contrast to the last thing, is mm-hmm. I want someone that has a point of view. Right. And so you can have a point of view and be open at the same time. That's, mm-hmm. That is a hard mm-hmm. and rare thing. I, I want you to have an opinion and I want you to state that opinion in a way that's clear uh, and not just like, well, I like it or I think it's cool. Like that's a, like a, the fastest way to be banished from it. Like, <laughs> I don't care what you like or think no. is cool. I want to know why you think that this is right for this client, this market, this person. Um, and so I want people who can speak that way and then still take feedback and mm-hmm. like, okay, great. I'll work with that. And I will try that because, um, it's a give and take. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so those are the things I look for. So level one of those core skills, is like, you're not even going to get a phone interview without that. And then 
really once once you have an interview, it's I'm I'm checking on those other two things. Okay. So I might be giving you feedback on mm-hmm. something really specific, in in maybe a harsher than I would normally mm-hmm. way to see how you take it. Sure. Uh, or to cook on something and be like, why is this like this? Mm-hmm. It might be the smallest detail to see if you have a reason. Mm-hmm. So as far as core skills, let's break that down. Sure. Because there's a bunch of skills that students yes. have now. Yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, uh, you know, for me specifically, probably the first thing I look at, honestly, is CAD skills. And that's because in my studio, I'm doing most of the concept ideation. Sure. And that's just, that's not what I would be looking for. Um if my studio was bigger or when mm-hmm. I was corporate, but that's what I'm looking at for me right sure. now. Um, and then then I look at sketching skills because again, it's, it's the way we communicate. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we might be, you know, this, this intern might be working on CAD most of the time, but we might go back and forth in sketches and in iterations. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want them to be able to pitch ideas. Um, and, um, and then I, I want them to be able to understand how to make a clear, concise presentation. Because mm-hmm. if you can't, even though they might not be doing that work for me, if you don't understand what it takes to make a great presentation, well, then you don't know how to sketch cleanly for that presentation. You don't mm-hmm. know how to produce a rendering for that presentation. You don't know how to produce a physical mock-up. Um, and then, and then, and I'd say also, you know, the fourth skill would be some physical prototyping. But the, the physical prototyping we do is like really down and dirty. Mm-hmm. I, I really like, like you know, bubble gum and popsicle sticks. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I don't anything anything that's like at a, a high like level prototyping, things like that, like low fidelity stuff. Yeah, super low fidelity. Yeah. I mean, we worked on this uh, this wearable um, that this wearable sensor uh, for a company called Shot Tracker and. They're, the product we worked on is not out, but the the previous generation hardware is already mm-hmm. on the market. And they make uh, wearable sensors for basketball players. Um, it's a super complicated system, but one one element of the sensors go on the shoe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we made, you know, basically cut up some like balsa wood chunks that mm-hmm. were the same size as the, the PC board and the battery. And then it was literally like rubber bands and paper clips and you know, strips of hot glued Velcro just to see like, just to get these little things, like a, a half dozen little things that you could play basketball with for an hour and see if they fall off. <laughs> and why invest, wow. you know, they were like, you know, 15 minutes each. It's like, why invest any more time if the idea is a total failure, nope. you know? Ready, set, proto. Ready, set, proto. <laughs> and then, you know, if we're going to do anything fancier than that, it's pretty much a CAD model and mm-hmm. you have several, um, Taiwanese model shops that we work with to produce nice. super high fidelity prototypes. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So that's for someone who is in school, is eager yeah. and motivated and on fire. Yeah. Passionate, who wants to intern with you. Those are some of the things that you need to work for Michael DiTullo. Now, what if you're an independent contractor? You know, you have experience, yeah. you're junior level area and you're like you know what i think i can provide value well i mean recommendations are huge um mm-hmm. and you and and Rotimi both recommended the same person uh cat riser and i've been working with her for a few months on a project and so um i think and, and earlier you mentioned kind of like it's a little bit about who you know in your network and why that that is important there's a deeper level and that that's be- because of trust mm-hmm. what we're doing is like 
really nebulous, uh, especially at the early stages, and it gets more and more refined and concrete as we go. Um, but I, I think the reason why I've been um, moderately successful in the first two years is because people trust me. Mm -hmm. they, they see what I've done. They met me at conferences. They see me speak. They've read my articles. Um, and they trust me. And so when I bring on an independent contractor, um, the work is, is one thing. They're, I mean, their work has to be at a very high level. Mm -hmm. But the, the bigger question is, do I trust them? Uh, because because you know, doing a project for a client is a little bit like climbing Mount Everest, right? It's like, I need to know that you're going to summit with me because it's going to get hard. Yep. And mm -hmm. we're going to run out of food and it's going to be a <laughs> blizzard. You turned around, we're going to get a little frostbite, yep. but it's going to be worth it. Yep. And so I need to know that you're going to go the distance with me. And I'll give you an example of, I, I had a, um, a designer that, who, he's still working with me on a contract basis. He's been working with me for about two years on and off on projects, and he's great. But we did we had one project that was was really difficult. Um, the client wanted all these kind of like bone surface uh, surfaces uh, that kind of like faded to zero, and we tried to talk him out of it because we felt like it wasn't quite relevant for what the product was. But he was dead set on this, and I explained that like you know, the CAD modeling is going to be like 3X because of the, mm -hmm. it's going to be so much more work. <laughs> and he's fine with it. And we got about halfway through and um, I get an email at like two in the morning, like, I can't do this anymore. Like I quit, I just can't, I can't do it. And so I was like, you know what, just, why don't you just take the morning off tomorrow? Let's meet for coffee in the afternoon. And you just, everybody take a deep breath. And so I met for coffee and said to him, like, okay, there's really kind of three possible things that could happen here. Um, you don't do the project and I don't do the project because now we're going to miss all of our deadlines and the client never hires me again and I never hire you again. Mm -hmm. like, that's probably the worst case scenario. No. <laughs> scenario two, you don't do the project. I'm able to find someone else to do the project that person has to start all over. So now I have to pay, you know, 1.5 times for it. And I never use you again, but the client hires me again because they're happy. I was like, <laughs> or scenario three, we talk through this, you tell me what you need. Uh, if you need to learn something, you know, we figure out how to get you to, get you to the knowledge uh, and you complete the project and the client is happy. They hire me again and I'm happy I hire you again. <laughs> so he's like, let's go with option three. I was like, okay. <laughs> So those are the choices, you know, like it's a business, you, you, I can't make you do this. It's a business decision right. for you. And I'm going to be forced to make a business decision now based on that. Yeah. And so, cause he's a great guy and a good designer. Yeah. And he, the thing is, is he's like, you know, I want to learn how to do this. I just feel like I can't get it done in time. So I'm going to do it anyway. I'm like, well, if you're going to learn how to do it, but what you need is more time, how much more time do you need? He's like, I just need like an extra week to take the edge off. I'm like, well, let me talk to the, I'm going to literally after this coffee, I'm going to call a client and we'll see if we can get a week extension and got a week extension. So anyway, um, it's a summit. It's a summit, man. So I got him, you know, we, I talked you. him up, we coached him. I coached him yeah. up into summoning with me, but, yeah. but you know, I, I, I don't, yeah. hopefully we don't have to do that. No, no. <laughs> you know? But that's, that's leadership. Yeah. Excellent. That's awesome. That's, that is 20 plus years of experience right there. Yeah.
I think, you know, I think also, and, and he was, he's a young guy. So I think if you go through it enough, you know, like that every project has its moment. You know, mm-hmm. that moment when you're like, do I turn back or do I go forward? No. And you have to keep going forward. You've got to, yeah. You know, as one of my professors once told me, and I, again, the importance of design education, because when you're 19 years old, these things are really impressionable. But he said, sometimes it's two in the morning and you just have to will it into existence. And I always <laughs> remembered that. Oh, like, so that, good. Because that, that is that is that moment where you're like, my will is greater than whatever mm-hmm. this problem is. Yeah. Yeah, when you think you don't have, you know, anything left, right? You have no idea how much you have in the tank, right? Yeah, and I, I have a very, um, I'm very critical of my own work. I think a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though you know, I obviously promote our work because it's, you know it's a business and we have to do that, but I look at my work a lot of times and like I just loathe it, uh, and I. Uh, a lot of times I'll open up something like the other, the other week I was thinking about a project that um, we did six or seven months ago. It's not on the market yet. And I was just thinking like, Oh, was, that was terrible. Like it was a rush timeline. It wasn't my best work, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was just really beating myself up over this project that the client was happy with that we completed six or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it looked very different. And I went back into the archives and I opened up a project and I was like, Oh, actually this is pretty freaking good. <laughs> so, so sometimes it's, you know, yeah. it's hard to get that perspective on yeah. our own work. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you've kicked butt in the industry. You're kicking butt with what you're doing right now. You're about to move to Portland and this is just amazing, right? And you continue to contribute to the design industry. You were our very first keynote speaker for Square One, yeah. which we're super grateful and excited for. Um, you have spoken at Core 77 multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, am I allowed to say that you're about to speak at the... Yeah, I'll be, I'll be giving a breakout lecture at um, the IDC conference in Chicago. Yeah, in August. August. August 21st, 22nd, 23rd, the International Design Conference. Um, You have multiple books. You, I mean, you're everywhere, which is ideal, right? The only thing you got to do is go into education. (laughs) I think, and and that's, I I love, uh, I'm really passionate about design education. I think, I think the reason why I'm passionate about design education is that I was almost kicked out of school and I was just a terrible (laughs) student. I, I honestly, it was like, I mean, part of it was like I was a little jackass. You know, I was not, it was not school's fault. Uh, uh, at the time, I thought it was school's fault, but a lot of it was my fault or, or, or my issues. And, and I'm just not a very, um, I don't do well in an academic environment. Sure. You know, I, I but you were I'm, also like a kid. I was, uh, yeah, I was also yeah. 19 years old. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I think, I think I would have done better in more of an apprenticeship model Mm -hmm. um and that's just like the way i learned and you know looking back at my education there were several uh professors who made a a massive impact in my life like like cliff at teams design Mm -hmm. and um you know a few of my professors at risd who just like took me under their wing and, and took the time um but also who I respected their capabilities. Yep. I think that was that was really important to me. So, you know, I think part of the reason, there's a lot of different reasons why we're moving to Portland. Part of it is family. Part of it is closer to the clients. Um, part of it is we could afford to have a much bigger space. Um, 
And I think the fourth reason is, you know, I really want to start um, getting, building um, some kind of an edu alternative education model that's built around apprenticeships and master classes and sessions that people can just drop in and experience. Because mm -hmm. uh, whether you're um, a young designer uh, on summer break or you're a professional or um, you're, you're, maybe taking a gap year and, and you want an alternative, some alternative education. Yep. It's like we can all learn um, in that kind of environment where mm -hmm. you're getting direct apprenticeship, uh, mentoring, Hands and on. A, what I kind of call like a critique culture mm -hmm. where everybody is, is, is really uh, in a constructive way, tearing everything down so that we can build it back right. up stronger in, in a way that sometimes and, and you can maybe you could talk to this a little bit, but it's a little bit hard to do in an academic environment. Um, one of the things I did love about RISD was like it, it, it at the time had a really strong critique culture. And I mean, it was not uncommon for people to leave a critique in tears. Um, rip into you. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and yep. sometimes literally ripping your work apart. Uh, like physically and so well this is rare nowadays yeah and and when i i taught yeah. i taught uh when i first started the studio and we weren't at capacity biz, busy i taught for a term down at new school of design and, and of architecture and design in san diego and i explained my expectations to the head of the department and she said oh my, you can't do that we can't do that anymore like <laughs> students aren't going to go for that one yeah. no i that's the way i'm going to teach no that's the only way i know how to teach and I'm not there to be their friend and I'm not there to torment them. I am there to teach them. That's what they are paying for. Mm -hmm. I am going to help them to get better. If they want to, they will get better. And I mean, I think one student dropped out within the first week, um, but the, everybody that stayed in got a lot better. And, mm -hmm. and, and one of those students became my first intern. So I, I think that, um, there's something to be said for raising yeah. expectations. Mm -hmm. And if you raise expectations, people will try their best to meet it. Yeah. And I, I, when I teach, I, I grade people based on improvement. So if you're the best in the class, you're the most likely to get a bad grade. No. Yeah. Because if it's a lot easier for the worst person in class to double their level, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're the best, you have to put in that same level. It's almost work. like an opposite of learning curve. Yes. You're flipping it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, this is something that we've talked about. Um, it's something that I experienced last summer when, because I, I do the summer sketching workshops yeah. with Advanced Design in Chicago. Um, and last summer, I did one with Rotimi. Mm -hmm. You know, he was able to come in and help me kind of run the summer workshop. Cool. And having Rotimi there really added just, a, you know, immense value to what we were doing. I had a student who was my student in the fall of 2017 he was in my sketching class mm -hmm. and he was third year um he's a notre dame student he's going to graduate now in may but he came in and he was an engineer and his sketching skills were not that great they were pretty bad and you know he got around at notre dame he got around me he i was able to you know be like hey follow these people look at this i was able to give him resources and then this summer um he showed up to the summer workshop he asked notre dame for money 
um, for like a grant to stay in Chicago because he can get an internship. But Notre Dame has this awesome program where they give students money to be to travel to be somewhere. That's great. because things cost money. Yeah. Um, and he kind of did an apprenticeship with Rotimi for awesome. a whole summer. Um, That's cool. Granted, Rotimi, you know, it was more. It was. You know, it wasn't, it was unpaid, right? Yeah. And and that's how, you, that's why he was able to get money from Notre Dame. Yes. Um, but he knew like this was, this is risk is going to pay off. This, this is, you know, and he, you know, he came to summer workshop. He really followed Rotimi everywhere around. And then he came in in the fall and it was almost like something snapped. Yeah. Like something just, a light switch went off. This guy... Like from a year difference, it was like night and day. This guy came in. I'm really impressed at the way that he thinks, at the way that he sketches, mm -hmm. his cat skills, like everything. He understands form. He's like ready for industry. And he went from being an engineer, you know, a year out from graduating to like a full, you know, a ready, you know, junior level you know a designer ready to break into the industry um thanks to rotimi yeah. it's like linking up the turns like when you snowboard right like mm -hmm. if you ever like learn how to snowboard at first mm -hmm. it's like super awkward and you're doing this and then it's, at, at some point there's a breakthrough where you can like link up three or four turns in a row and you're like holy shit like it all <laughs> made sense yep, yep. And i think it's a little bit like that and i, I had the same experience uh, i think probably all did yeah and when i when i got my first job out of school i was so mad at school I learned more in my first year yeah. out of school than I learned in four years of, of, of design school. And I was like, I was so pissed. I'm like, why did I spend over a hundred grand <laughs> to, to not learn? But yeah, then I think as I've gotten older and, and maybe a little bit more, uh, hopefully <laughs> slightly wiser, <laughs> I realized there's just, there's just some things that school can't teach you. No. Uh, there are some things that are great to learn in an academic environment. No. Um, 2D, 3D theory, uh, basic sketching skills, mm -hmm. um, philosophy, history of art, architecture, and design. Mm -hmm. These are academic programs. Um, but that kind of linking up the turns thing, mm -hmm. that you only get by summiting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You summit Absolutely. three or four times and you're like, I get it. Yep. You know, There's a rhythm to this. Uh, every project is different, but there's a similar feeling at certain moments. Yep. And so... That's awesome that he did that, and, and yeah. that's that's exactly kind of. I don't. I, mean, I don't think we'll be ready to do it this year, but hopefully next year. That's exactly the kind of experience mm -hmm. that that I want to give people, um, because I think also it's important as you. I, I've had so many experiences in the last twenty years, right? Mm -hmm. I've been. I've worked at a small consultancy. I've worked at a giant consultancy. Uh, I've worked at a giant brand. I've been a design executive at a smaller brand. And now I've owned my own design studio and it's going great. Like we've had, mm -hmm. we've brought so many products to production in the past two years. It's, it's a pretty good hit ratio. Um, and so for me, I, I think the next thing I have to do is I have to stop being greedy and hogging up all these projects. <laughs> and I, I need to um, start embracing uh, the next generation in a deeper way uh, that really helps people to get to, to have the kind of experiences mm -hmm. that I've had. Yeah, that's awesome. You're banning 500 right now. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. Let's, as we're kind of coming, wrapping up here, um, let's shift conversation. Sure. Um, a couple of days ago, actually this past weekend, I was invited by 
the IDSA student chapter at RIT. RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology, amazing school, amazing program. Um, my, one of my, you talked about one of your professors that was really big influence in your life. One of mine teaches at RIT. He's a graduate. He's a director of graduate studies for industrial design. His name is Alex Lobo. Lobos, look him up. He is, he's awesome. I love him and I can't thank him. He, he, he's the reason why I went into academia. Um, I just met him uh, last year. I was, oh, no it was way. the first time, um, the first year I was ever uh, uh, IDSA idea jury. That's right, and, in Michigan. Uh, we spent a lot of time together and just really enjoyed speaking with him. He's I like, love very, him. Very he's, he's awesome. Yeah. He's, he was there during my tough times in grad school. He was there afterwards. He was there. Every decision I've made, I've consulted with him. He's become a really good friend, but he, he teaches there. So he, they invited me to come to RIT and they wanted me to talk about social media, Instagram specifically, talk about how industrial designers use Instagram. And so I put together a presentation. I, it was a pretty simple presentation. Here are the cons and here are the pros. And then here are the things that we got to do to make it better, right? Um, and I talked about it and um, students were really like, they were really motivated. They were very excited about it. And they're like, wow, I needed to hear this. Like, because, you know, you go on Instagram and you see all these amazing things. Instagram is awesome because I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, we love eye candy. We're visual people. We're humans. Like, that's why a lot of brands sell their things on Instagram. Right. Because you see the hottest shoes and, oh, I want to buy it now. Right. So Instagram is, they've done a great job at <laughs> turning it into a business and um we're visual people and so naturally we're attracted to awesome car renderings awesome architecture yeah. sketches we're you know and you know it is a part of industrial design but i went even deeper and i talked about look that stuff is great and yes at one point you'll learn it and things like that i do it on my instagram you do it right we illustrate um but if you get hired and they find out that that's the only thing you can do, God help you, right? right. Like you need to sketch. You need to think how to sketch. You need to right. um, sketch with a purpose and have substance and have depth, right? Um, and some of those sketches look raw. And sometimes if you come in with no context, they look like stick figures. Because sometimes you don't, you're not sketching full, you know, sometimes you're just sketching corners of objects and right. then you're sketching, you know, section views and things like that. So I gave my talk and then I was really inspired by the feedback I got from the students that I was like, I'm going to make this public on Instagram. Yeah. So I put it on Instagram and oh my God, it was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a, a good, uh, a good conversation. A good dialogue started from there. A tsunami of actually, I got a lot of students that were like, I needed to hear this. This is good, you know. Um, and then I also got a little bit of backlash from people who did sketch those, you know, polish car sketches and things like that. And I was like, whoa, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm like, right. again, look at my Instagram. Right. I sketch that stuff because yeah. I sketch it passively. I sketch it when I'm down during my downtime or on airplane or whatever. It's meditative. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for me, I sketch things that I can't afford. That's so that helps me. That helps my wallet, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh man, some, some new Yeezys or whatever going to drop, some new Leica camera. Like I can't afford that stuff, so I'm sketching. That's how I started. As a kid. You know, like I couldn't, I couldn't, my, we couldn't, couldn't get Jordans. Jordans. 
So you switch them, and that's cool. I'm not, you know. All I'm saying is, um, and that's why that's why I love your Instagram because, like I said, you show your journey. I try. Yeah. You, you talk about, you know, this is what I did for Hasbro, and this is how I did it, and things like that. And the only thing I said was, let's encourage designers to do that. Yeah. Because it's healthy for the community. And from my perspective, I'm an educator. Yeah. I'm watching out for my students and students of other schools. I feel like you're still my student because that's just naturally how I am. I'm kind of a, you're a teacher. Yeah. You know, and I'm, teacher. I mean, I mean, I'm an older yeah. brother. So yeah. I think that's really like, that's, that's why I'm so at, at my core, I think that's just who I, I'm an older brother. And so mm-hmm. yeah. that's what older brothers do is they, you know, they help you out. Right. Right. So, yeah. No, for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think two things. Um, the first thing is to always remember that this is a window, right? Mm. And, you know, you guys are looking at a window right now and you see Hector and I and this <laughs> abstract painting and this, you know, industrial HVAC above us. But you don't know. There could be an angry clown over there and a pile of laundry over there, right? You have no idea. Alcohol, drugs, right? and weapons. Yeah, you have you don't no know. idea what's outside of the viewing pane mm-hmm. of the window. And... I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Um, even, you know, like sometimes I'll show a sketch and then a product that looks just like the sketch. Well, it's like, well, yeah, that was the one sketch that looked like the product, but there was a hundred other sketches mm-hmm. that were the seeds of different ideas that never grew into trees, you know? And so, um, and that's okay. I, I look at it as like, it's, I'm in the business of uh, a surplus of innovation, mm-hmm. right? It's my job to pitch more ideas than a client could make uh, and then help them navigate which is the best one mm-hmm. um but you, you know those are hard things to capture in this window yeah. right like mm-hmm. you can't the 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 late nights that i'm up like crafting uh, a presentation um, in a way that helps a client understand something right where i'm setting up what the problem is what the research was to go against the problem um what the design principles are going to be mm-hmm. uh, that that sets the selection criteria um, and what the zone is that we're going to be exploring concepts and what are the zones we're not going to be exploring concepts mm-hmm. and then concepts <laughs> and then you know that's just like and this is yeah. this is the ideation phase and the sketches are a small portion of that and, and and then from after that it's all just like those sketches are a moment in time and that moment is gone and it's all sweating details of like how two things come together or you know getting everything to fit and oh man there's a camera bump and it's a millimeter more than we thought it was going to be and i have to like change all this stuff right and so that's all part of it i mean like that motorcycle helmet project one of those three helmets and two of them like came out like amazing out of the gate and the third the third one was not amazing out of the gate it looked like this, it looked like the drawing but it didn't look good <laughs> so you know i'm like we had it we had to do a revision session with the client right. and help figure out like oh man like you know slicing up the cad and with a physical uh print of it and being like oh man this section through here is a little wonky and you know it's literally like one red line that gets shipped off to the factory to fix it all mm-hmm. but it's just like how do you show that on Instagram? It doesn't look like anything, but it's no. going to change the whole product. No. So that's my, my first thought is to, to keep in mind it's a window. No. Uh, my second thing to keep in mind is that who, who, is a, who is a real design influencer, right? Is it, is it someone with a lot of followers and hot sketches? Or is it someone like 
John Hoke, the chief design officer of Nike, who is responsible for thousands of products a year and literally has 900 designers reporting to him. Yeah. Now, he's not, he's not on Instagram. He's not right. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He's not writing articles. He's not like posting his sketchbook doodles and getting tons of likes. Um, but he's a, he's a way bigger design influencer than me and how I'll, I'll ever be, right? Uh, or yeah. Alistair Curtis at Logitech, right? Like who really, that brand has gone through an amazing transformation since he's joined the company um, and has become a, a serious like design focused brand. And I have several friends that work for him um, and, and you know, he's I think, a design influencer. I, I think we have to define that, yeah. right? Like, what is a design influencer? Yeah, Scott Wilson, I think for me, Good Alex, example. Alex Lobos, right? Education, yeah. and, and just there's so many, so many people that it's not really, you know, it, it it's not measured by hey, who has the most followers or the most likes. You know, I remember on Coraflot yeah. back before, yeah. um, it was also this thing about so many people were following you. And it was a thing, remember? And then you would go on the Coraflot page and it was like a competition. Yeah. I was like, oh, my folder, you know, overstepped another designer's profile. And it was just like, this is stupid. Yeah, it's just <laughs> no. about that. Yeah, because, you know, and this... For, for me, building my personal brand, I've had, a, you know, I've had a few people question my intentions. They're like, why are you, you know, is it about your ego? Um and I mean, of course, I have an ego like everybody, but honestly, I couldn't give a shit. Like to me, building my personal brand is all about doing the projects I want to do for the clients I want to work with. That's all that matters. And if I could do that mm-hmm. without Instagram or without anything, I would because yeah. that's that's what matters to me. Mm-hmm. And one of one of my mentors um, was my boss at Frog, uh, Paul Bradley, who who uh, passed away a few years back. Uh, this is amazing amazing designer he designed the first two button mouse oh nice and uh, he he was one of the original employees at ido when ido was three firms Mm -hmm. that merged and he was one of the three firms he was one at one of the three firms um and it's actually i mean not to go too sidetracked but he uh apple had just offered him the head of design position and he put in his resignation at his firm and the guy that owned the firm was like, you can't quit. We're literally merging with two other firms next week to form this other firm called IDO. <laughs> and part of the conditions is like, you need to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, amazing guy. Um, you probably, you know, maybe you never heard of him, but he's, he's worked on so many important projects. Um, but he would always say to me, there are no innovative ideas. There's only innovative products. No. So if you don't make it, if it doesn't go to production, it, it doesn't, it can't change behaviors. And mm-hmm. if it can't change behaviors, then it wasn't really innovative. Mm-hmm. It's just a thought. It's a dream. But until the dream becomes a reality, um, it can't. That's that's when it crosses over into innovation. And no. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Social Instagram is kind of goofy, right? It it is. The intentions of Instagram are straightforward, like right. There's pictures you like them, right? Things like that, and. There's so many other disciplines on Instagram that use a platform. Design is just a tiny, right? So well, we're so tiny. Instagram is television. Like, yeah, it's uh, the new, I mean, it's the new old, entertainment. But like, if I when I was young, I was watching Seinfeld or Friends. I didn't think that's what real life was really like. Mm. You know, like oh yeah, like 
there's never really a scenario where yeah. four friends are living in New York City, like the best real estate, and going yeah. to drink coffee every day and just don't seem to ever no need jobs. Money. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Instagram is that too, right? And it's fun, and I think it's important. I think it's a tool for us to get people excited about design, mm-hmm. uh, whether those are potential clients or young designers. So I'm not dissing it at all. I think mm-hmm. it's just important to to yeah. As as the name of the session, give it context, yeah. right? You know? Yeah, we'll um we'll continue this conversation as our time is winding down on Instagram. But thank you so much for tuning in. Um oh perfect timing. Look at that. <laughs> um, but we can continue this audio. Yeah. Um maybe for maybe ten more minutes. Yeah, great. Um yeah, I mean again, I don't I don't have I think um I think a lot of people got hurt when I when I put that up there. But if if I <laughs> if I cared about what other people thought, I'd be a different person. That's true. Right. Yeah. And right. it's not a dig. I think like if you got a hundred thousand followers, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Like I think I, I think it's just, you know, does that define you is the question. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I just want to be a designer first. And part of being a designer is creating content that is digestible for people. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's you know, which is the cart and which is the horse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that's, uh, I think that's important to keep in mind. It's just like, who do you want to be? And what do you want to do? I mean, that's, it's part of the reason why I stepped away from my chief design officer role at Sound United. I was like, because, you know, I was getting so, um, my, most of my time was spent running the business. And, I want to be a designer, you know? And so the same, if like, if most of your time is spent creating content for social media, well, then you're a content creator. And your, your, your focus of your content creation is design. Right. But you're a content creator who makes design content versus a designer who happens to publish some of that work as content. Oh, man, they want us to bring back the feed. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I don't, I mean, we can go live for a couple minutes. Sure, I okay. no problem. Wait, um, I got time. I know you got other things, so I'm I'm good. The thing doesn't. I don't have to be there till nine. Oh, perfect. You know, or we can stop the feed and go get ramen. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Which people have to take it to people, IRL. People love this. People love the conversation. Cool. And guess who's back? <laughs> the conversation is just too good um, to just have an hour for this. Um, but we'll, we'll maybe ten more minutes. We'll talk more sure. about social media. Do we have um, any questions or anything? That- yeah, I mean, do we have any questions, Fed? Thanks for kind of sending me a direct message. Um, you're right. This this is a hot topic that we gotta discuss. And um, I said prior, like when when the social media went off, I said. Um, if, if, you know, you know, yeah, if, if you're a content creator and you're specifically creating content and that's your job, I hope that there's money coming in because that's a hard job to do. Right. I I think it's, I think for my whole career, defining myself has been one of the most important things to me. Uh, I mean, it's like when I went to work at Nike and my, they gave me my business cards and they're like, Mm -hmm. your business cards, Michael. And I like looking at that footwear designer and I was like, Oh no. That I need to do new cards because I can't. I'm not a footwear designer. Mm-hmm. I'm a designer that works at Nike, which is a shoe company. 
So, you know, defining yourself is, is important because um, it has impact on who you are. And so are you, do you define yourself as a content creator that makes design content or, or do you define yourself as a designer and the output of some of that process happens to be some content? No. Um, and so I think there's no, neither is right or wrong. It's just important to be honest with yourself so that in 20 years, you're happy with who you are. No. Yeah. And I think also be honest in general with people, because sure. if you are creating content, people should know that. Yeah. Like if you're, I mean, if you're creating good content, I want to be like, yeah, go see that guy's stuff. Yeah. You know, like what he's putting out is good and it's, it's helpful and it, it could help you, you know, grow as a designer. Um, like I've had a few brands approach me about, you know, working with them to post content for them. And they usually like, no, <laughs> no, because it's got to be something like I've worked on. And I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. I would tell them like, yeah, I'd be happy to do a project for you. And then I will talk about, I will talk about that project for free because yeah. I want to promote it. But I, I'm not really um, interested in talking about other people's content, other, other, you know, unless it's like we're a friend and I'm just excited about something you did, then I'll share that of course. Or uh, sometimes there'll be some, some tool makers like, uh, you know, marker brands or light brands that might want to be like, Hey, try out a product. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, Hey, send it to me. And if I like it, I'll post about it. And there's been a few times where I haven't posted about it. Cause I'm just like, I didn't like it. <laughs> so I'm not going to, yeah, you're not going to, right. I'm a designer first. So, no. you know, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was really like, the plethora of messages, direct messages I got on Instagram about just like, man, this conversation needed to be out there. I'm happy you talked about it. Like this is, um, because I can imagine like, you know, I, Instagram wasn't around when I was a freshman in college. Right. And if it was, I can imagine coming in, you know, getting really excited. Oh my God, industrial design. I'm about to enter my freshman year of school. And then you log into Instagram and then you have, overwhelming amount of content and you're just like a cat with a laser what am i looking at what who do i trust like there's so much information um and it could be intimidating it could be intimidating it can be it, there could be a lot of pressure on you it can be like mentally like it could be pretty tough you yeah. know and i think my 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 whole message was we just got to be honest because it can help the industrial design community on instagram and again just to iterate like the industrial design community on instagram it's tiny <laughs> like we're we're yeah. you know we're always saying how we're a speck in the the universe the industrial design community is like you can't even like it's small right yeah. so we got to be nice and genuine with each other i think it, i mean i can't so so like when i was i started college in 1994 mm -hmm. and you know there was no if you wanted to see what was going on at rit or syracuse or yeah. uh you know notre dame you had to go there you had no idea what was going on outside yeah. of your school uh, and so i can imagine how it would be really scary like looking at all these students um and I think the the level of student work has gotten higher, mm -hmm. and you, amazingly, students have so much more to learn. And so, uh, but but I would just assume that the burnout rate has got to be so high, and the intimidation factor has to be so high. A few weeks ago, I was doing a workshop for um, high school students who were interested in going into design, and so I did you know, a little lecture talking about my story, and then we did some sketch demos, just some basic like cubes in space, two point one point perspective stuff. 
And at the end, I was like, what do you, you know, getting them all sketch and what do you think? And one of them was like, it's been a little intimidating because I can't draw like you. And I was like, well, of course you can't. Like, I've been doing this for 20 years and I had four years of school on top of that. You're a junior in high school. Right. Like, if I wasn't like an ama- amazingly level better than you, wouldn't that be weird? Like, the reason why you're want, you want to go to school is to learn this. So mm-hmm. take some of that pressure off yourself. But I feel, I feel like, uh, there could be such a um, a commercialization of the, a templatization mm-hmm. of design. I'm like, oh, I have to do it like this because, you know, so-and-so cool guy or cool girl on Instagram with lots of followers is doing it like that. Well, that's mm-hmm. just one way to do it. The way I do things is one way to do things that works for me as an individual doing this. And that's the way you know everybody at my studio works because that's the way we do it. But, but you know, you look at like, um, what's his name? Benjamin uh, over at Layer Design. Oh, Hubert. Benjamin Hubert. He works very differently. He's awesome, right? My, my friend Chris Adamick uh, runs a design studio literally a block away from our studio. We get together for coffee all the time and talk about the different ways we. He does stuff <laughs> totally differently than yep. the way I do it. Yep. Um, and his work is if you follow him on Instagram, Chris Adamick. He's he's awesome. His work is awesome. And so you know, being authentic to yourself finding out the way that you are able to mm-hmm. ideate, um, develop insights, communicate those insights and convince clients. You know, I, I, I think you should be in, you should be true to yourself in that and not follow the way I do it to a T. No. You, know, you can be inspired by that. Use it, use it to get somewhere, try it out, try it on like a hat, take it off, try on a different hat. Um, but in the end, you have to find your own way. I remember, um, I had an awesome boss at a, at a college. Um, my first job, this guy, Aaron Szymanski, who's still the, um, he's a senior partner at Evo Design now. And this is like, I had, you know, I had this looking at like all these art center kids and like, I thought I had to like draw perfect, you know, perfect drawings. And he would sketch so messy. Like he would just like, it was just, but it would work. And it was so much energy and you could see everything. Um, and it felt like an idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that just was like, just seeing that one person do that, I was like, I just like took all the pressure off me. I'm like, oh, okay. It's about communicating this idea. It's not about having like the perfect hot line that you get in one no. stroke. And, and I, I feel like digital media, unfortunately, um, has put that pressure on even more because you got like, you could zoom way in and you can undo stuff. And, it <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, I think you look at, you know, a lot of these drawings have become like super tight and super minimal. Um, and that's one, you know, if that works for you, that's great. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing um, since Instagram or industrial design kind of started to have a presence on Instagram a couple years ago. Um, one thing that I made it a point is, okay, you have Instagram and you have, us designers on Instagram. Yeah. For the last four years, wherever I travel, and I made it a point, like when I go to San Francisco or I go to New York or wherever I go, I want to meet these people. It's awesome. I love that because you do that. that tells me everything about what you do online, and if you're really the person that you say you are, or you're just, or you're true, or you're genuine, and you're like, man, this guy is awesome. For me, that's that matters more. Like when I go to San Francisco, um. During spring break a month ago, I took um, me and like eight other of the advanced design um, 
you know, designers went to San Francisco to meet with like 20 design firms. And I can tell you that every time we met with a design firm, the things they're posting on Instagram is like, you know, like iceberg, right? Like right. You, we are, you only see the, but, but because we were present, you know, we signed NDAs and we got to see, it was like walking into the hall of fame of yeah. whatever. And I was like, man, I'm so happy you guys don't show this stuff. Yeah. You, you gotta see it like with your eyes, you know, like it's awesome. Like I was just inspired everywhere I went. We went to Level, we went to Frog, we went to, and it's just like, you know, it was just a high. I was just like, oh my god, you know, it was a, it was an awesome roller coaster. Um, and you don't see that on social media, like you said. This is a small window. You only see us and whatever's here, but you don't see the the full thing, the full enchilada the full iceberg you know you don't see it um and you just impossible look at yeah some people share and some people don't and you don't have to i'm not saying you do you can do whatever you want on social media but there are some people that are doing great things that i appreciate like man thanks for showing this because um one they don't have to do it and when you do it i appreciate it even more right Right. um you know reach legal has always done that yes Yes, he, he puts up really beautiful sketches and um i know that he's very passionate about building his own home sure yeah i give him credit for that because i don't even know where to start to build everyone has a dream house um him and scott and spencer have really done a good job at redesigning their home or what their home is going to look like spencer's built like three dreams spencer has (laughs) has, yeah spencer's actually done it right i wish i had and i think it's a matter of time before reed does it and finds land in new york and does it and that's awesome but spence uh but reed also goes and shows here the process here here's what i do he shows prototypes he shows all the rough stuff low fidelity honestly that stuff is gold. As an educator, I use that in my classrooms. I'm like, this is Rich Legal, senior industrial designer here. He does this, he does that. And students are like, that's what the expectation of an industrial designer, like that's where I gotta be. He, he does nice, he does a great job. I think uh, I also really appreciate people that have like zero degrees difference between their social media persona and mm-hmm. their real persona. And people that really stand out to me like that are like Spencer, where oh. it's like the person that you see on Facebook, on YouTube, on yeah. YouTube is the That's, real. You meet him and it's like, yeah, I feel like I've known you forever, right. but gen- this is the first time we've met. Yeah, there's like a generosity of spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just, you know, that's present. Um, like Jordan Nolman and Sprout, like he's just like, that's the real person. Uh, that's why Col- i love coleman horn at phyla like they're just like it's just you know mm-hmm. i think yeah I, I think that those are like I, I love those times when you do meet that person and you're like we're friends yeah, <laughs> even like, though this is the first time we've met right not you, you bond you right because it's you know um because you're real right in social media that's one of the pros for social media it's a really wonderful feeling you're like wow this is awesome like it's just real and i think that's why like we love putting on square one when we do square one and it's almost like a reunion of people on instagram that was the original intent right let's get all these awesome instagrammers that are doing amazing things and let's put them in one building Mm -hmm. and let's have them you know break down what they do like the behind the scenes of what they do and then you get to spend time with them and you're like man these people are cool 
Yeah. They're not just, they're, they're, yeah, they're real. Like Spencer Nugent and, and Morgan Matz and, mm-hmm. you know, Todd Hurlitz, like all these people. That's amazing. Um, you know, like Cliff, when, when we went to his old school, you know, sketching class. Yeah. Um, and you were saying sketch dirty, like, you know, three lines and you have a car. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that for me, that, that's awesome. I think that's why like Instagram, it gives me a map of like, okay, if I do travel here, I know I have, yeah, I can, I can do like a public service announcement. Yo, I'm coming to Miami this year. And that goes back. I mean, I, I feel I was very lucky to have before Instagram, you know, I'm, I'm still the administrator for the course 77 discussion forums. And that was really kind of like the original design social mm-hmm. media. Yep. And I would do the same. You know, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to be in London this week. Who's in London? And mm-hmm. we'll get together. And um, Or, you know, people will be like, hey, we're going to be at the conference, at this conference. Like, let's all get a beer. And, um, and, and I would have people come to Nike to interview and be like, you know, I'd get these, these calls from HR and be like, hey, so-and-so is here to interview. It says he wants mm-hmm. to have lunch with you. <laughs> and I thought that that was always amazing and and i i I learned a really valuable lesson uh pre-instagram in that i think you know kind of earlier in discussion forum days like it was a little bit more common to be edgier it was a little bit more like reddit like right where it's just people are like maybe have have one notch a little bit more courage than they do in reality (laughs) and i think i was a little punkier and you know, it really hit me as maybe 2005, 2006, um, when I was really kind of getting into my stride, moderating those forums, I met somebody and they said, you know, you know, it's so cool meeting you because you're actually a nice guy. And I was like, what does that mean? I thought you were an asshole. (laughs) Oh my God. And I had no, you know, I was like, and then I thought about like the way I was writing being funny. Mm -hmm. Um, and I realized like, oh yeah, that's coming off like totally not authentic to who I am. And, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be intimidating no. um, or jerk. I just want to want to share. Um, I want to share what I've learned, and I want to learn from what you're sharing. No. Um, and so that really helped me to kind of like step back and think about who is this persona that I'm putting out into the world, and how do I get that to be mm-hmm. me? <laughs> there would be no daylight between those two things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the very first square one was awesome that we were able to bring all these amazing people um, that have shaped what Instagram is today. You know, that was our very first, that was three years ago or two years ago. Yeah. And then now that we're continuing to plan our next conferences, we're pretty selective. Like, okay, Instagram, you know, it happened. Yes. Let's, let's, there's so many designers that are working in the shadows that amazing people, but you know, they don't care about Instagram and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, but let's give them a voice. Um, let's, you know, give them a platform. Let's, um, one of, one of, I'm going to give a couple of shout outs. One of the designers that I'm really excited to bring on board, um, Alex Ortega, you guys probably, you know, he's, he's, he works at Volkswagen in somewhere around the Bay area. Um, but he does like he, I met him two years ago when I went to San Francisco, he was graduating from San Jose state and just, just fire. This guy has so much passion and I got to meet him and we just became really good friends and um got to see his work and i'm like man you can bring value to what we talk about in our conferences yeah let's give you a platform fed rios 
I can't say enough about that guy, Fred. Um, yeah, he shows a lot of hot, sexy stuff, but man, he will he won't um, he won't miss a day of you know sketching circles. Yeah, you know that that tells you a lot about that person. Like, yes. like you know, yes, you can sketch you know all these airplanes or jets or whatever, but back to the basics, right? Back to the basics. Um, the creative session guys, right? Oh my gosh. I yeah. can't say enough about them. They, they, energy is like amazing. Like, you know, they're running their own school on Instagram. <laughs> pretty much. And, yeah. But they don't need like, yeah, to be validated. They, they do what they got to do. And it was an honor to have them as keynote speakers because yeah. of, of their, their thought process of, it's just learning from them as they're, they're, they're teachers. Yeah. If you ever get to go to San Francisco, I'm, I'm, you, know, yeah. you have recently, go to Palo Alto, visit them in playground because, yeah, I think they have their Astro. own. They have not an Astro anymore. No, well, oh. they they got hired, um, you know, by Andy Rubin, the oh. co-founder of, of um, Android. Awesome. He started playground and these guys are running the ship i had no idea to, yeah yeah um that's awesome yeah yes go hobo we did mention creative session those guys are yeah and the reason why they inspire me and i tell my students all the time is they're a perfect example of yes we all went to design school to learn you know when we go to industrial design school you have blinders that didn't stop them they learn how to do branding they learn how to right. do videos they learn how to do all self-taught yeah, same. It's like I have a, a few clients who are like, can you produce videos for us? Because we love your videos. And I'm like, dude, it's like me and some, you know, DSLR and a little microphone and uh, I agree. So, you know, and, but I think it's like if you're, my, my, my brother did go to school for video production, but, but I think, um, you know, if you're interested in something, you do it. And, you know, I, I've worked with uh, quite a few startups over the last two years at the studio and mm-hmm. I always pitch them hard on doing the branding mm-hmm. because I'm like, hey, like I'm already going to do all this research. And why don't you let us do the branding too? And then we could tell one story through design um, and you can have one agency to go to. Yep. Um, and so, and it's just, I, I, I like it. It's just fun. It's fun. You know, can we work on the packaging? Can we, can we set up a style guide for your photo shoot? Because, you know, it's, it's not just about the physical object that it's got to tell. There's a bigger story to be mm-hmm. told, you know? Yeah. And, and that, gives you you know your stock rises when yeah. you bring that to the table i mean really like, oh my god we gotta hire michael i have two clients now who um have us on retainer and uh it's just literally we, both clients started out with individual projects and then now we're just you know 20 hours a month um retainer and you know it's like we're having so much fun because i'm just i'm coming in and just coaching them it's like oh like let's look at your product development calendar like do you have enough time to do everything that you say you're going to do um like next week um, i'll be uh, flying back to chicago and i'll be at a photo shoot all day for this client just you know art directing the photo shoot um and so i'm trying to find more uh engagements like that where about gets back to that trust, right? Like mm-hmm. once a client has a, a level of trust and in both these cases with both clients, their billables got to a point where I'm like, guys, you're spending a lot of money with us. Um, and sometimes it's on big things. Sometimes it's on small things. Can we move to a different model where we can, you know, it can be just a lighter, easier engagement and I can help you with a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. There's no boundaries. Like, there's no, there's no one way to do it. There's no right way to do it. No. It's just like, how, however, you can have 
the most impact, that's how you should do it. Yeah. Um, one of, one of my, I have a lot of mentors. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate having mentors. Um, one of my mentors for my business is a, a, um, a man who specializes in branding, Ron Mariello. Uh, and he built up a, a large uh, branding and identity studio. I think he said there were like 35 people at the peak. And then at one point he was just like, what am I doing this for? Is this for my own ego to have this big building and all these people? Like, I'm not really making more money than when it was like five of us. It's just bigger. It's more money in, more money out. No. And he has totally reformatted his business. He loves vintage Italian bicycles. And he got rid of the big building and the big studio and all the employees. He, he now has a storefront. And the front of the storefront is a vintage Italian bicycle shop. And the back of the storefront is his studio. And it's just him and contractors. And now he's like, you know, he's like, Michael, I look for the ways that I can have the most amount of impact. And, you know, the way I can have the most amount of impact is not kerning every, every single word on a layout. It's helping a client see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I'm trying to do with some of these retainer-based engagements where, um, you know, maybe it's not specifically about designing the object as much as it is coaching your team up. Yep. And, and showing you the path. And I think that's why we've been doing a lot of design language system and more strategic based work. Uh, and in that work, I can basically mm -hmm. teach. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I, I don't, this is kind of got off a social media topic, but to <laughs> it's me, okay. it's, it goes back to your earlier question of like, you always have to be changing. Yep. You always have to be doing different things because it's like, well, got to be evolving. We're not factories. And, and um, I remember once I was talking to the chairman of the board of a company and he said, Michael, we want you to put together a reliable, repeatable process for innovation. And I was like, so you want a repeatable process on how to get to a different result every time. And it makes no sense. Like the, the way you can have a, a repeatable process to get to a different endpoint every time is to have a different process every time. <laughs> and so. Uh, I, I think that's what scares me a little bit with social media to bring it back around. It's like, there's a little bit of a homogenization of mm -hmm. like, you know, everybody's trying to do the read sketch and mm -hmm. it's just like, why are you trying to copy? Read is inspiring you do something else, do your thing. Um, I remember like, uh, my, one of my bosses of Jordan was Dwayne Edwards who, who founded the pencil design Academy. And for a while, like all these shoe dudes were like, doing this thing where like there was like the shoe and the shoelace came straight out because that's how Dwayne, that's how Dwayne <laughs> and he when those people came in the interview he's like why are you doing my thing no he's like well because that's how you do it it's like that's how I do it how do you do it um and uh I mean he was an awesome mentor he pushed me a lot and and uh I think you know there you have also someone talking about alternative education someone that didn't go to design school no nope. who worked his way up from being a file clerk at LA, at LA Gear to being the head of design at Jordan Brand to starting a school for footwear design. And so, um, he, I mean, he's kind of like the case study for like, just mm -hmm. be yourself and focus in on that. And now he's being, he's going to be recognized honorary degree from Art Center. What an achievement. Well deserved. Yeah. Amazing. Um, no, social media is, is great. It gives us a platform to 
be expressive. That's what it's for. We have every right to put things and be expressive and get political if we wanted to talk about religion, whatever you want, right? All I'm saying is, Joe, be real. Yeah. You know, um, because it helps everyone. It makes the community healthier. It it, it provides, you know, uh, more engagement. Um, that's why, like, I love Joey. Yeah. The stuff, like, he... he you know of course our own instagram is to flex what we do right, of sure. course but yeah joey with when he brings up questions and he starts dialogue and conversation i'm like that is so cool right like damn joey you beat advanced design to this <laughs> this idea oh he does the left hand sketches and he does that like he, he just he steps out of his yeah. comfort zone that's awesome right um you know i think that's awesome mauricio romano I don't know if I know him. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to show you yeah. his profile. But this yeah. guy used to work at Astro. He now works at Oculus in Seattle. Oh, man. Um, and he shows, like, he's, he shows everything. He shows, um, he did a video for Advanced Design that in the beginning of the semester, I have my students write a paper about that video. His video is 10 minutes long. And he talks about design sketching for him. And he talks about, he really goes in depth about design sketching and I was like, man, this is gold. At the beginning of the semester of every semester, my students write a paper about that. Mm-hmm. They hand it in and they reflect on it. And one day I'll show those papers to Mauricio, but, um, that's, Oh my God, that would be like a treasure. You know what I mean? No, like, that's pretty, that would be an amazing gift for him. Maybe, it, it or something. maybe he, he's going to be one of our speakers. Yeah. So we're very excited about that. Um, one of the questions that, um, you know, uh, I don't know who's running the Gohobo account, but they want to know what's industrial design in 2019. Can we talk about it? It's, even though 2019 is almost halfway. Yeah, yeah. What is it right this second? What is it right this second? Um, that's a lot of different things. And, and I, I mean, not to be like overly Yoda-esque, but it is what you make it. Um, mm-hmm. And I have so many friends who are successful industrial designers working so differently from one another. Um, and so it's, it's, there's so much opportunity. I don't, I don't understand. Like I get like some UX designers will be like coming up to me like industrial design is dead. And I'm like, really? Are you going to stop pooping? No, they were physical beings. No. You're going to eat. No. You're going to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're going to cook. Um, and all these things require physical objects. And the world is not static, like, mm-hmm. you know, even though all of us might have the Eames chairs, but, you know, it's like there's a million different chairs that can exist. Uh, there's just as many right chair designs as there are people and moments, you know, people multiplied by moments. Yeah. And I think I look at like the different manufacturing techniques that come online. It's, it's opening more opportunities for design. For me, one of my biggest enemies as a designer is tooling. <laughs> and so for those of you that haven't brought anything to production, you know, the tooling um, is the, not to be too overly didactic, but the tooling is, you know, the metal that comes together to make something. So like, right. you know, for this coffee cup lid, this is probably vacuum form, but you know, there's like a, a plug and it's, you know, that thing has to be machined and there's a, a, a core cost to that. So like if you're doing like a shoe, for example, you're probably going to spend like 150 grand to 200 grand in tooling because mm-hmm. there's a tool for left and right shoe and every single half size. Right. And so 
that is the barrier when a, when an executive at a company is like, oh, should we should we make this thing? It's a little scary. Uh, it looks a little bit different. Do we want to spend all that money on tooling? But with you know rapid prototyping becoming rapid manufacturing, you eliminate the tooling cost. Mm -hmm. The machine doesn't care what it's making. It's making money as long as it's running. Mm -hmm. So now instead of you know one coffee cup lid that has to be optimized for every brand, there could literally be a coffee cup lid for every person mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so getting back to the question, what is industrial design right now? I think we're in a transitional moment because I, I think what we're doing is going to be really different five, five years from now. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know, we're seeing like, look at like, I'm wearing like a, an Autodromo watch and there's all these micro watch brands, you know, Autodromo, Carpenter, um, uh, Brew. And you know, these, these brands were inconceivable 15 years ago to have these micro brands, but you know, now it's possible to specify a Swiss or Japanese movement and machine a case and have a strap cut and, you know, create a web shop, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't need retail um, and you got a brand. Yep. And so, you know, like, you know, Neil Carpenter, who was a su successful design uh, consultant, uh, as was Bradley, who started Autodromo. Uh, and now they just, you know, work on their own brand. And so we're, I think we're at this really interesting moment. Um, and I think, I think the, um, amount of designers, you know, running their own brands are probably going to increase because it's become increasingly lighter to be a brand. Mm -hmm. I think the amount of ind independent designers is going to increase. You know, I, I was having dinner with my first boss, uh, back last October. And I was just like, man, I don't know how you did it. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, because when you started your firm in 1999, you had to have a receptionist and a phone system and blah, blah, all these things, all these costs. Mm -hmm. And like, I have, a a overhead. I have a laptop and an iPhone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, it, it's... It's becoming it, lighter, like you the, said. The tools are so much more democratized. Mm -hmm. And some people have proposed that that's going to decrease the... the demand for design but my proposal is that it's going to increase it because no. now that anyone can have their own thing they will want their own thing and they won't necessarily want to make it themselves like i have a garage band on my laptop but i have yet to like make up my own album <laughs> and i have microsoft word yet somehow i have not written harry potter right <laughs> and so i still prefer to read books written by other people and listen to music uh produced by other people and I think the same will be for design. And I, I think the cool thing is, is there'll be opportunities for non-traditional designers, maybe people that didn't come up to the academic system or didn't work, you know, didn't work for the big brands um, that I've had the opportunity to work for and they don't need to. Mm -hmm. um, and I know for a fact, you know, some of my friends who are design executives at those big brands, they're having trouble holding on to millennials and zillennials because they're like, we don't need you. We no. can make stuff ourselves. Right. Um, and that's pretty cool. That's an empowering thing. Um, I think of like my friend, Ryan Coulter, who owns the James brand, uh, that knife, knife mm -hmm. brand. And he was, a, you know, who was a designer at Burton and Ziba and then at Nike for years. And he started the James brand as a side project and just freaking genius because you can get a knife. If you know how to make things, mm -hmm. you can get a knife machine. You know how to do it. And it's an easy thing to inventory. Like you don't have to have sizes, you know, you can inventory in a garage. <laughs> and he made this like world known brand 
uh, and and now is doing it full time. But but I think you know he started it in nights and weekends, and I, I just think like no, yeah. it's a pretty it's a pretty cool moment. I think it's a cool moment to be a designer. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of young people who have taken that. Yeah. Um, here in Chicago, when I went to San Francisco, people just rent a very inexpensive space, 300 square feet. Yeah. You make stuff and you can call yourself a studio. Yeah. Look at Rotini. Right. Look at I mean, Rotini. He left Motorola to be a design consultant and produce his own product as mm-hmm. well. Um, and, and, you know, like those are success stories. Like not everyone's going to be a win for, for all those people we've mentioned. I can name 20 more who mm-hmm. have started a brand and, and it didn't work out, but it's still cool. It's still like, they still did it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, you're still more valuable mm-hmm. as a design consultant or a potential employee because you tried something and you understand the process a little deeper. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty, you know, you mentioned Todd Hurlitz earlier. Somebody told me this story about his father, um, who used to, he was VP of design at Chrysler. I don't know if this is, tr- I don't know if this is true or not. Todd, Todd could tell a story, but what I was told is that, uh, Mr. Hurlitz had worked in a bunch of different areas at Chrysler. Like he literally, like he worked in design and engineering and in marketing. Uh, and so that he worked his way back around to be VP of design. Um, and he could be a better VP of design because he could empathize with all the other disciplines and he knew what, it, what they had to go through to, mm. to make a product. Um, and I think that's what you get if you start your own brand, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if you start your own studio, you kind of go through it too. But you know what it takes um, to, to create something out of nothing. And you know, not every month is going to be like a straight climb. Right? No. Be ups and downs. Quentin Berman. Great, another great example. Oh my God. So many, yeah, like you said, we can name a list of, of people who. I think Creighton's done an amazing job of like, he's like identified an area to mm-hmm. explore and make products and iterate around and then has his consulting business around that. Mm-hmm. And, like, and it's all very true to him. Yep, you know, that's him. That's like, so Creighton. Yeah, you know, I remember the first time I saw his cord lamp in uh, the moment store. Mm. And I was like, took pictures and texted it to him. I'm like, oh my God, like my friend has a product in the MoMA store. And it was literally like him messing around with an extension cord, you know? And like, <laughs> it's very crazy, you know, yeah. it's very true to him. Yeah. Um, we have one more question here. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's Wang. Okay. <laughs> it's a follow-up. Hey, it's a follow-up on his question. He okay. said, like manufacturing, high volume equals low cost, cheaper products. So large number of designers. Does that mean lower cost design work? Because for for like manufacturing, high volume equals low cost, cheaper products, so larger numbers. Um, not necessarily because it all depends on the volume <laughs> uh, and margin. Uh, so yeah, you know when you're when you're selling things in Target and Best Buy and Foot Locker the scale of things is just so big um and it's a challenge as a designer because you're a little bit removed Mm -hmm. um and and that retail buyer is a little bit of a gatekeeper and that's why when i was at nike and later when i was at sound united i always fought to be in the room like i don't want the sales guy to present it i want to present Mm -hmm. it even even as a consultant at frog i offered to several clients like hey let me present this to your retailer and some of them took me up on it um because 
I want to know what their feedback is and, mm-hmm. and, um, and if it books, right? Like if you book something, you still have Best Buy, like 60, something like 60% of all consumer electronics are still sold at Best Buy mm-hmm. in the country. So, you know, if you get that one retailer that has 1,500 doors or whatever it is, it's like they're going to buy three to stock, maybe four to stock times 1,500. That's just the first order for the first month. Um, so, you know, the reason why the price can be lower is because the volume is so high. Mm-hmm. Um and that is a challenge for, for niche brands, right? Um, you know, where their margins might be lower or they might be skipping retail altogether and just going direct so that they can take, take that margin. Um, and in a lot of cases, those brands have one designer or the founder is a designer. Mm-hmm. They, can't, they can't afford to have another designer on staff. Whereas, you know, a company like Nike, last time I talked to John, he said, I think he said they're up to 900 designers Jeez. Uh, across disciplines, right? Yeah. That's a, mm-hmm. apparel, footwear, mm-hmm. um, brand communications, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I mean, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's like bigger than a design school. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and those, those, those designers are compensated well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, wow, this has been probably the longest podcast we've ever done uh i think we're clocking in at an hour and 40 minutes that'd be a two-part um this would be a two-part yeah um and wang keeps asking questions wang you're gonna have to reach out to michael um (laughs) and he can drop some knowledge um but he's asking so higher volume of designers does that mean lower cost for design service (laughs) no yeah no come on man (laughs) Come on, <laughs> boil it down, super tight. But um, there's there's amazing people on Instagram. There's amazing people not on Instagram, right. and I encourage you to go find them and meet them and ask them questions. Be a sponge, you know. I I do that all the time. I don't. I'm gonna do that until I'm 100. I don't care, because that helps me do my job. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised how much people will tell you if you offer to buy them a cup of coffee. You yeah. know, oh. like, that's all I did when I went to San Francisco the first time in 2016. Um, I took everyone out for coffee. I think I met with 20 people. Met with David Whetstone. I met oh, with yeah. I met with Quinn. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I don't drink coffee. Really? <laughs> I don't drink coffee at all. But I smelled like coffee beans. Yeah. And I was. Um, I hired, I hired Quinn at Frog. I, I, tried, I tried to there's, hire David there's, several times. Like there's history behind all of this, yeah. right? I met with so many people all from a conversation of coffee, and I've never met them before, but I followed their work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, it was the best. It was amazing. Just just know people, meet them in the flesh. Um, there's amazing women doing amazing work as well. We talked about independent consultants. Yes. Brittany Purone. Oh, God, she was yeah. recently in Chicago Great for time. our conference. Um, revision and oh my gosh she was at nike as well yeah. and she was like you know i've never met britney but i follow well, her they will. everybody She's everybody awesome. knows which and i was like um so impressed when i mean mm-hmm. it's a great example of mm-hmm. not being able to to keep a millennial and she just you know she left nike to start her own brand uh and and, and i mean i think fortunately at nike like yeah. If you leave the right way, the relationships are super strong. And I know she's collaborated with Nike mm-hmm. after she's left. And uh, yeah. I was so thankful 
for that. I think not every brand has that spirit of generosity. Um, one of the first icons I designed, I was started freelancing for icon while I was still at Nike. And, you know, I asked John, like, is it okay if I do this? And not only was he cool with it, one of the first ones that came off the assembly line was shipped straight to Nike and, and displayed on campus. So she's, um, yeah. You know, that's, that's awesome. And she's so young too. Yeah, so, um, you know, teaching, right? Like, yeah, she's, she's, she's kicking butt, right? Yeah. Um, I got you to know. meet her at the Course 77 conference mm -hmm. for, and, and again, you feel like you know these people because you follow them and read their stuff and we mm -hmm. like have interchanges on Twitter yep. and, uh, she's the same person in reality. Mm -hmm. There's, um, you know, like Kat Reiser, we, mm -hmm. we were just talking about her. She just went, you know, solo here in Chicago. Excited about that because she's like, you know, she's an amazing designer, but a great person to know as well. Um, helping you with your work, right? Um, Elisa, El Elisa Payer, she's a, an industrial design student. She's a third year student at, our, at the Academy of Art University and has just done amazing has already racked up a bunch of awards and works at whipsaw right now as an oh, intern yeah and she's just a third year yeah student and she's going to be one of our speakers at square one in san francisco so that's very exciting speaking of people who are not on instagram uh dan harden founder mm -hmm. of whipsaw mm -hmm. i never i mean i knew who he was because he was like you know an early frog and kind of a legend at frog mm -hmm. and um, i think i like i've been introduced to him at a couple parties but we didn't get a really, I never spoke to him um, until we both juried um, the IDSA Idea Awards last mm. year with Alex. Nope. And we had a couple of late nights in the bar <laughs> drinking scotch and talking about design till two in the morning. And I was just like, and he was like, I'm sorry, I'm talking to you. You're off, Michael. I'm like, no, I'm prying this shit out of you. I'm like mentally recording all of yeah. this. And I, I think it's like, get those stories that aren't online because mm -hmm. there's so much value there. Nope. Um, I don't know if you haven't met him yet, but if I hope you get to meet him soon, Joe Bowers. Uh, he goes by the well. Yeah, I know who he is. Um, I just oh, to think man, we, we, we interviewed him when we were in San Francisco yeah. about three weeks ago, and it's just amazing just to think that, that when he talks about design, he, he worked at Levi's for two or three years, and then he recently just quit. Cool. Um, again, another, another like, yeah, you know, like. I, I got it. I don't know if he's going to do his own thing, but um, his his perspective on on design and life and and what he's going through is yeah. it's, it's 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 amazing. It's um it's yeah. genuine. Yeah, I think it's like and again, even back to like my studio and like why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's like I just want to design. Th I want to design things. I want to mm -hmm. have fun with this. I want to do good work for good people that get it. Yep. Um, and when I was young, when I was twenty, maybe twenty. I was 20. Um, I did a summer study program in Italy uh, in conjunction with RISD and, and Domus Academy. So I spent the summer in Milan and we toured a bunch of different companies and design studios. Um, and one of the studios we toured, I don't remember, the guy, it was a designer, an Italian man's name. And we just went to his house and he's got like two interns working for him and I'm building a chair prototype on his kitchen table. And he was like maybe in his late fifties, early sixties, and he was just like, "Yeah, I just you know, I love what I do. I don't want a, I don't want a big studio. I don't want mm -hmm. a big edifice to myself. I just I want to enjoy this yeah. and um, I want to take time and do it right." And uh, we don't, I don't think we celebrate that enough at this moment. And I, I think the 
tools that exist now allow us to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, know I try to be honest about like, yeah, it's, you know, my studio is, it's me and my wife and three or four contractors getting it done. And the clients know like, no, you're getting my time. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think it just, Take, take the time. I guess my, what I'm trying to say is take the time to figure out what you want mm-hmm. and chase that. You know? I think that's, and kind of to wrap things up um, again, yes. <laughs> this is part two of this, but I think initially that's, you know, kind of the birth of advanced design, at least yeah. for me. It started with like, we wanted to have fun. We wanted this industrial design journey to be exciting. Yeah. Um, and I get to do it with, you know, 14, 13, 15 of the best yeah. people. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I would I would um, bend over backwards for those people that are on my team right now. Um, but we do it because it's exciting. You know, I don't, the, the, the people on the advanced design team, um, they have every freedom and every right to be like, hey, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And Or, hey, I'm moving because of opportunities. Right. And um, There's a level of commitment that it takes to be there, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, um, right now, like, it's, you know, we're all kind of on the same level of this is, we're doing this together. We have the same passion, the same vision, and it's exciting, you know. That's why you do something, and that's why people go solo. That's why right. people start their own independent, you know, studio. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to hold in twenty, thirty, or or fifty years. Companies, right now, there's a lot of companies that are folding. A lot of big companies that have been around for a hundred years that are folding. We we talked about this right before the podcast. Yeah, um, it's the way it is. And and the nine to five is that something that's going to last? It's lasted since you know post World War Two, whatever, up up until now. But now you you're seeing a shift and. You know, I've been working on this article in the background, not to get onto another topic, but <laughs> I've been working on this article in the background around work hours. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's a real problem, you know, like designers, like we put in a lot of hours, um, but is that healthy for your long-term personal health as well as your career health? You know, like you see designers dropping out of the industry. Well, it's like, yeah, if you're working 80 hours a week, of course you're going to drop out. It sucks, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, a big part of my process is my downtime. Yeah. Uh, and that's really, it's important for me to allow space to let things percolate because that's when the real ideas come. And if you're just like beating your head up against the wall all the time, you know, it's just not going to, I'm a little bit more like Don Draper. Like sometimes I just go to a movie at 10 a.m. You know, there you right? go. <laughs> sometimes I got to take a three hour lunch. Yeah. And and then at the end of that, like something great's going to happen. No. Um, and so I think respecting your own thought process and respecting your own mental health and personal physical mm-hmm. functions uh, is important. And I, I learned that lesson. I was lucky enough to learn that lesson really early on. And when am I more pulling all nighter at the first firm I was working for? It was Aaron Smansky, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Carl Vanderbeek, who's now a design director over Kaleidoscope in Cincinnati who was just a year mm-hmm. older than me and, you know, one year out of school and myself, I was the youngest designer. We we're pulling this all nighter and we, we pulled it all together. Like this literally like the sun is coming up. Right. And we're like finishing up and like, 
Carl looks at me. He's like, "We did it!" And he like high, high five, like a couple <laughs> freaking idiots. And uh, Aaron was like, "Oh, you jerks think you're heroes, don't you? You think you guys saved the day? No, we're here because we screwed up. Yeah, <laughs> because we did not plan our time accordingly. Mm-hmm. And so because we fucked up, I had to be up all night with you two jackasses at home in bed with my wife. I don't want to be here with yeah. you guys. We yeah. did not save the day. Like if you want to be a hero." work an extra hour every day mm-hmm. so that we could go home at a reasonable hour and, and have lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love what we do and I do what we do all the time, but I think, um, you know, whether that's nine to five or whatever your boundaries mm-hmm. are on that, that's, that's kind of up to you, but it's important to draw some. <laughs> no. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's, that's good. We're actually approaching two hours. Right. <laughs> we, we said two, we said 10 minutes, but yeah. no, um, this has been a very awesome conversation to have. Um, it was awesome to get you finally, um, you know, in our newly rebranded um, ADS Live. It's now called Context. Um, I think that gives us a more open view of things, people's experiences and um, allows us to have conversations cross-disciplinary, right? Not just industrial design. Um, but no, we're very excited about, um, again, I think we can do a lot more on Instagram than just, you know, at least I know I know I am. Um, yeah. and I, I know with advanced design, we are. And we have. At our last square one, we started talking about how, um, you know, don't get all caught up with, the superficial that comes with follows and likes we, we were very vocal about it um and then you know we the conversation kind of died down and i recently brought it back up but i know i know what posts if i post a certain kind of sketch or a certain kind of render mm-hmm. i know it'll get 600 likes mm-hmm. but i almost never post those things no. because i just don't I, i'm more interested in posting different things and, and sometimes those different things that i really like get 30 likes or 100 likes and i'm no. like man that's kind of like, oh, it's a kind of a bummer. But like, you know what? That's what I want to represent me. And I get like, I'm a designer. <laughs> I'm a designer first. Yeah. Like, I'm not, what are they, like, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I could always do that one sketch. It's going to get 600 likes and post it at 9 a.m. on Tuesday because that's when it's going to get the most, you know, yeah. I know it. You know, like, it's not that hard to figure out the game. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah I, I, um, I love posting students' work on my that's Instagram. Cool. I, I, I put a lot of my students' work up there because um, that, is cool. that, that one, I, I love telling them like, hey, like I love what you're doing, but also it's kind of like a good reflection of, okay, because I, yeah, they're, we're humans. I, believe it or not, I am a very anxious person when it comes to teaching. Um, Shout out to Anton Ruck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very anxious person when it comes to teaching yeah. because I'm always constantly telling myself, um, am I giving them everything that they need to know? Right. And, and but then I finally get to see it when they execute, and it, it tells me like, okay, you gotta chill out. You know, they're let them do what they gotta do. Um, that's why you're a good, <laughs> you know, the yeah. good instructors that yeah. have that. That's the same anxiety we have in the project process, right? Mm-hmm. Like, am I doing the right things for this right. project, for this client, for this user? And you're designing no. designers, right? So it's um, hard. It's really hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, this has been a great dialogue. I hope we continue to, to, to talk about this. I know I am on my platform under my profile. I'm going to, uh, you know, we're going to do it under advanced design and, um, 
you know, the end goal is to make the community um, open and healthy, you know. I want to, you know, thank you for having me. I always love it when <laughs> we get together. Yeah. We always we always talk about so many things. I want to thank all of you for joining. And I mentioned in the, the first hour that I'm really trying to uncover some failures. Uh, and I want to talk about failures a little more. I started a discussion topic on the Course 87 forums all about designer failures where we could mm-hmm. feel safe to post them. Uh, and if you have... If you feel like it and you have the courage, post a story on Instagram um, about a failure that you had and, and tag me in it. I'd love to learn and I'll share some of mine too. That's awesome. And you know what? Let's bring course and some forums back. Let's make it a thing. Yeah. Because I'm all too. there all the time. Yeah. So um, thank you for tuning in. Um, and again, there's 24 hours that you can rewatch this if you want. And then we'll... we'll we're editing all of our audio so that we can put all of our podcasts up at the same time. Um, but yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thanks, cool. everybody.